Sometime around 33 CE, Roman legionnaires placed Jesus Christ on a cross outside the gates of Jerusalem. They drove nails into his hands and feet and left him to die. It was a fatal form of torture called crucifixion. According to the Gospel of John, after hours had passed, Jesus was still breathing. To put an end to his life, a Roman soldier pierced Jesus' side with a decorative spear, boasting a long wooden handle and winged blade. Tradition says the soldier was named Longinus. After Longinus stabbed him, water and blood poured from Jesus' wound, and the weapon that caused it was changed forever. According to legend, the spear became a powerful relic known as the Spear of Destiny. Because it had touched the Son of God, the spear's powers granted its owner incredible power in battle, invincibility in life. But dropping it came at a grave cost, immediate death. After the crucifixion, centuries passed away without any historical record of the weapon. Books have been written attempting to track its location. Battles have been fought in its name. Feast days dedicated to its legacy. According to some, the Spear of Destiny fell into the hands of individuals that changed history and shaped the world as we know it today. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. This is our first of two episodes on the Spear of Destiny, the lance said to have pierced Jesus' body as he died on the cross. Many believe this holy relic bestows incredible power to its owner, but simultaneously bears a terrible curse. This episode will attempt to track the spear's journey from 33 CE to now. Records suggest that it might have fallen into the hands of some of history's most powerful leaders, like Constantine the Great, the Crusader Knights, and Adolf Hitler. Next episode, we'll explore three of the most popular conspiracy theories surrounding the Spear of Destiny, including one that suggests Hitler invaded Austria just to retrieve it. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help, because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. 
Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Around 33 CE, Christianity was a fringe religion with just a couple thousand followers. At the time, most of Europe was pagan, meaning they believed in more than one god. Early Christians had no central organizing authority, set doctrine, or canonical writings. So it makes sense that after Jesus' death, records of the Spear of Destiny are few and far between. In 64 CE, Roman Emperor Nero made Christianity illegal. The laws drove Christians further underground, but despite rampant persecution, the religion managed to spread. Between 200 and 300 CE, the number of Christians grew from 1 to 10% of the Roman Empire's population. Hundreds of different sects cropped up, each with slightly varying beliefs. As they did, the Roman Empire doubled down on their efforts to eliminate this upstart religion. In 303 CE, Roman Emperor Diocletian ordered the biggest persecution of Christians in history. Hundreds were slaughtered. History books later called it the Great Persecution. Then, in 305 CE, Diocletian and his co-emperor promoted two junior emperors to help control the vast Roman Empire. Constantine, the 33-year-old son of the junior emperor to the west, led military campaigns into modern-day Britain. But despite their relationship to Diocletian, Constantine's family held a deep secret from their emperor. Constantine and his father were pagan, but his mother, Helena, practiced Christianity. The family kept it quiet from authorities, but it ultimately led to Constantine feeling torn between two disparate worlds. 
Shortly after Constantine's father was made junior emperor, Diocletian and his co-emperor abdicated their thrones, and Constantine's father was made a Roman emperor. Constantine wasn't promoted to his father's former position, and he continued his military campaign in Britain. When his father died in 306 CE, Constantine was proclaimed emperor by his own army. A power struggle formed between Constantine and the junior emperors Maximinus and Severus. However, it was Maxentius, son of Diocletian's co-emperor, who was Constantine's chief rival for the throne. The two of them had a surprising amount in common. Both were the sons of high-ranking, recently deceased Roman leaders. Both had been passed over for the role of junior emperors. Both were in their 30s, and both were hungry for power. However, neither had a better claim to the imperial throne. Eventually, their conflict spilled out into open war. Maxentius struck first by marching his troops into Rome and occupying the city, but Constantine refused to yield. In October of 312 CE, Constantine led an army from modern-day France to Rome. But as his troops descended south, Maxentius's army blocked their entrance at the Milvian Bridge over the Tiber River. It was a tactical move to prevent entrance to the city. The future looked bleak for Constantine. His men had just marched hundreds of miles. Maxentius's army outnumbered Constantine's by 5,000, and with the resources of one of the largest cities in Europe, they were well-rested and well-fed. Despite the long odds, Constantine and his soldiers set up camp across the river and prepared for battle the following day. It would be near impossible to win, but... When Constantine laid his head to rest that night, he allegedly had a vivid and life-changing dream. He saw a crystal-clear vision of the Christian cross. As he did, a voice whispered to him in Latin, in hoc signo winces, in this sign you conquer. Constantine took this vision to heart, when he woke the next morning, he ordered his men, regardless of their faith, to paint a cross on their shields. Then, Constantine imbued a spear in Christ's name, adorning it with a silk cloth and precious stones. Some believe this weapon was the spear of destiny. If true, it's unclear how Constantine happened upon it. Some suggest that his mother, Helena, may have purchased the relic on one of her many pilgrimages to the Middle East and then gifted it to her son. Supposedly, she had a penchant for purchasing Christian artifacts. There's no way to know with any certainty if Constantine's weapon was indeed the same spear that the Roman soldier, Longinus, used to fatally wound Jesus Christ. But we do know that Constantine led the charge into battle against Maxentius's defenses. And when he did, he had a spear in his hand. Miraculously, Constantine's small army broke through his rival's lines. They fought with purpose and fervor, leaving thousands dead in their wake. In a matter of hours, 
Maxentius and his soldiers retreated. But there was nowhere for them to go. They were trapped between Constantine's army and the rushing Tiber River. As Constantine's troops pressed on, they forced Maxentius's army into the water, drowning many enemy soldiers in the rapids. In fact, according to some accounts, Maxentius himself might have been among the dead. Once the battle was won, Constantine's soldiers marched into Rome unopposed. He became the Western Emperor of the Roman Empire. He then legalized Christianity when he issued the Edict of Milan in 313. And the transformation of his new kingdom wasn't finished. Twelve years later, in 324 CE, 52-year-old Constantine became the sole emperor of Rome when he defeated the eastern emperor, Licinius. Somewhere along the line, he became known as Constantine the Great. Some reports claim that in 325 CE, Constantine also held a spear during the Council of Nicaea in modern-day Turkey. This meeting of various Christian bishops was held to create a uniform doctrine for the faith. Many of the decisions made at the Council of Nicaea are still observed today, from religious holidays to uniform prayers to the Church's intricate organizational structure. Constantine passed away in 337 CE, 12 years after the Council of Nicaea. As for his spear, there's no record of what happened to it. The next time a mythical lance appeared in history, one that people claim might be the Spear of Destiny, was in the 8th century. It belonged to the King of the Franks, Lombards, and the eventual Emperor of Rome, Charles I, better known to history as Charlemagne. In his lifetime, Charlemagne was an unstoppable conqueror. He united the warring Germanic and Italian kingdoms. He reunited the Western Roman Empire after three centuries of disarray. Scholars have called him the father of Europe. Some have wondered how he managed to achieve so much. His secret might be held in the writings of his biographer, a Frankish scholar named Einhard. Einhard wrote of Charlemagne, the emperor carried the Holy Lance with him on every one of his 47 war campaigns. And according to Einhard, Charlemagne always kept the weapon within arm's reach. Einhard's account isn't the only historical record that might connect Charlemagne to the spear that pierced Jesus' side either. Today, the Basilica of St. John Lateran in Rome still contains a mosaic created during Charlemagne's rule sometime between 796 and 800 CE. In the mosaic's left-hand side, one of Jesus' 12 apostles, St. Peter, appears to be handing an important item to Charlemagne. It's a long and ornate piece of wood with a scarf hanging near its metallic end. Historian Howard L. Adelson suggests that it might be the first ever visual representation of the Spear of Destiny. In the hands of Charlemagne, it might even be proof of its remarkable power. Coming up, another powerful emperor wages war over the Spear of Destiny. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. 
Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. According to legend, the Spear of Destiny pierced Jesus Christ on the cross in 33 CE. 300 years later, Emperor Constantine supposedly wielded it as he made Christianity the official religion of Rome. Nearly 500 years after that, it somehow came into King Charlemagne's possession. But after Charlemagne's death in 814 CE, documentation of the spear disappeared for a century. Then, in 912 CE, a minor German duke named Otto of Saxony died. His third son, Henry the Fowler, took the title amidst considerable controversy. For six years, Henry faced disloyalty and treacherous plots. His greatest critic was the king of East Francia, Conrad I. But Conrad died in 918. One year later... Henry the Fowler became the undisputed Duke of Saxony and elected King of Germany. But the scramble for power ignited something in Henry's heart. He was no longer content with his title as king. Henry set his sights on becoming an emperor. At the time, Germany consisted of a handful of independent duchies, meaning lands ruled by a duke. Through a series of negotiations and battles, Henry consolidated the duchies into his growing kingdom. Like Charlemagne, Henry had his own chronicler, Bishop Liudprand of Cremona. In Henry's quest for power, Liudprand documented a negotiation between Henry and King Rudolf II, the ruler of the Burgundy, now modern-day France. Henry wanted to absorb Rudolf's land into Germany without a war. But when Henry presented his bold proposal to Rudolf, the Frankish king presented a counteroffer. If Henry left his kingdom alone, Rudolf would give him a powerful spear. According to Liutprand, Rudolf claimed the spear held magical properties. Whoever owned it was guaranteed victory on the battlefield and authority over so-called spiritual forces. The weapon, the king claimed, was imbued with the power of God. Henry accepted Rudolf's offer. 
In return for the spear, he gave Rudolf some land and treasures and allowed him to rule freely without Henry's interference. Henry's spear was made of steel, iron, and brass. If it was the spear of destiny, it had apparently been modified since Jesus' day. According to legend, the lance was made of the same nails that held Jesus on the cross. Given that the spear existed prior to the crucifixion, it's unclear how that happened. Nevertheless, it became part of the relic's legend. Unfortunately, Henry never got a chance to use the spear. In 936, at 60 years old, the leader died from an unknown illness. His 24-year-old son Otto I inherited the holy weapon and his father's kingdom. Like his father, Otto faced rebellion almost as soon as he took the crown. The first 11 years of his rule were marked by bloodshed as he tried to bring every German duke under his heel. One of Otto's earliest rivals was Duke Eberhard of Franconia. He led a rebellion in 937, but Otto swiftly crushed it. Afterward, Eberhard swore his loyalty, but broke his vow two years later. In 939, Eberhard led a second rebellion. This time, he allied with two others, Otto's brother Henry and France's King Louis IV. Eberhard's troops outnumbered Otto's. There was no escaping them. One day, while Otto's troops forded the Rhine River, enemy soldiers ambushed his forces. It was the worst possible moment for a battle. Otto's army was split. His advance guard was on one side of the river, while Otto and the rest of his troops were trapped on the other. Otto could only watch as his men fought for their lives. Watch and pray. According to Liutprand, Otto dismounted right before the fight and knelt in prayer before his lance, in which was fastened the victory-giving nail from the hands of Christ. Otto finished his prayer just in time to face another ambush, this time on his own side of the river. The remainder of Eberhard's army descended on Otto's troops, hoping to finish off the German king. Otto's men fought valiantly. They recovered from the ambush and slew the rebels on the battlefield. But even after beating Eberhard's army, Otto still had to defeat his brother, Henry. According to Liutprand's chronicles, Henry was injured during the battle on the Rhine. He didn't mention who dealt the blow, just that a weapon struck his arm. Henry's armor prevented a serious injury, but his flesh turned black where he was hit. It wasn't a natural bruise. It was a sign that God marked Henry with displeasure. In other words, the Lord revealed that Otto was the rightful king. At least, that's how the story goes. Following the battle on the Rhine, Otto declared that the Spear of Destiny had brought him victory. He believed that God wanted him to rule the kingdom of Germany and that the Lord would continue to protect his armies. He carried the Spear of Destiny into each of his subsequent battles, and he won time and time again. As Otto secured power, the legends about the Holy Lance grew. Before the end of the year, even Otto's brother acknowledged Otto's authority. As a show of faith, Otto pardoned Henry, confident that he'd learned his lesson. 
According to Liutprand, Henry really had learned his lesson. Months passed, but Henry's arm never healed. Countless doctors examined the blackened bruise, but none could treat it. Every practitioner concluded that the injury was spiritual, a curse from God. Maybe it really was a sign of God's displeasure. Maybe it was just an infection. But either way, the bruise apparently killed Henry. As for Otto, he still had a kingdom to rule and expand. With his throne secured, he sought to transform Germany into an empire. In 951, he invaded several Italian territories. Shortly thereafter, he married a widowed Lombardian queen to consolidate power in France. Every time he stepped on the battlefield, he took the Spear of Destiny with him. Each time he won, he credited the victory to his holy weapon. On February 2nd, 962, Pope John XII crowned Otto as the Holy Roman Emperor. After decades of military victory and apparent divine blessing, Otto gained a grandiose sense of his own importance. Unlike most of his predecessors, Otto ruled from Germany, not Rome. But that didn't stop him from being regarded as God's emissary. His conquests were seen as righteous, a means to bring Christianity to people he considered pagans, heathens, and heretics. Otto's crown and spear were equally important symbols of his reign. The crown symbolized God's political power and might on earth. The spear represented the holy hand of divinity and Otto's military supremacy. He called the spear Lancia Regis, Latin for Lance of Kings. When he died in 973 CE, he left the spear to his son, Otto II. When Otto II died, he left it to Otto III. Then, in 1000 CE, Otto III gifted the spear to one of his nobles, Boleslav the Brave. Like Otto I before him, Boleslav wanted to be more than a noble. He wanted to be a king. With the spear in hand, he won a series of battles and became king of Poland in 1025. With his conquest complete, Boleslav stored the relic in a cathedral treasury in Krakow. He supposedly only took it out on special occasions. After Boleslav, the spear's history once again gets muddy. According to the Cathedral Museum in Krakow, the spear never left. It's still on display for tourists. But maybe this relic isn't the real Spear of Destiny. Some suggest that the spear given to Boleslav was just a replica and the real spear was stolen, lost, or borrowed. One account claims that Holy Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa carried the spear into battle in 1190, but he dropped the spear in a creek and died within minutes. Another account says that in 1424, Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund of Luxembourg had the spear put on display in Nuremberg in modern-day Germany. Roughly four centuries later, in 1796, it was moved to Vienna for safekeeping as Napoleon Bonaparte's army approached Nuremberg. Well, this version of the story seems the easiest to verify. 
But it's hard to say for sure what is or isn't true, because during the centuries the spear spent in Nuremberg and Vienna, a number of Christian treasure hunters claimed they discovered the real Spear of Destiny in various corners of the world. For example, in 1098, a group of crusaders claimed they found the spear in Antioch, Greece. They described it as an unassuming pole made of iron. They made no mention of the brass or steel that Henry the Fowler's weapon had. Another was allegedly found in St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. The spear had no tip. According to legend, it broke off somewhere in France in the 7th century. The spear that traveled to Vienna in 1796 is called the Vienna Spear to differentiate it from its many other claimants. It's wrapped in a thin sheet of gold and silver, which matches the accounts from Otto and Henry the Fowler's times. But it likely wasn't used during Jesus' crucifixion. Chemical tests suggest it was made in the 7th or 8th centuries, hundreds of years after 33 CE. That said, the Vienna Spear might still be the same spear that Otto I carried with him into battle. And some historians agree that the Vienna Lance is the Spear of Destiny. After all, it bestowed military victory on several Holy Roman Emperors. It really did appear to have power. And for that reason, it became a source of fascination for occultists and mystics. During the years that the spear was on display in Vienna, its legend only grew. And those legends are how it came to the attention of one Adolf Hitler. Coming up, Hitler uses the spear to conquer Europe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now back to the story. Many have attempted to track the legendary Spear of Destiny through history, from the time it pierced Jesus' side, all the way to Otto I's reunification of the Holy Roman Empire in 962 CE. And its story didn't stop there. In 1424, Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund moved a relic that some claimed to be the Spear of Destiny to an undisclosed location in Nuremberg, Germany. Allegedly, he didn't want its power falling into the wrong hands. But the spear wasn't safe in Nuremberg forever. Four centuries later, in 1796, Napoleon Bonaparte's army was on the warpath. 
As his French forces approached Nuremberg, the city's mayor and other leaders gave the relic to a baron in Vienna for safekeeping. When the Holy Roman Empire dissolved a few years later, the baron sold the spear to the Habsburgs. The Spear of Destiny was put on public display. Artists, writers, and musicians were able to view the ancient holy relic and be inspired by its might. In 1882, German composer Richard Wagner wrote the popular opera Parsifal. Though the story predominantly focuses on the Holy Grail, the Spear of Destiny plays an integral role as well. The production tells the fictional story of Parsifal, a pure-hearted knight who seeks a cure for a king who's been stabbed by the Holy Lance. Along the way, an evil wizard tries to corrupt him, but Parsifal defeats the wizard using the Spear of Destiny and later cures the king. The opera was a hit. Productions continued long after its premiere in 1882. In fact, it continues to be performed today. But in 1908, a 19-year-old aspiring artist named Adolf Hitler fell in love with Wagner's music and the opera's story. A young Hitler once said that he wanted to, quote, build a religion out of Parsifal, end quote. The statement is likely in reference to some of the opera's themes. Most historians agree that Wagner was anti-Semitic, these beliefs are imbued within Parsifal. The storyline depicts characters that are considered pure of blood using occult objects to defeat their, quote, corrupted enemies, a euphemism for Jewish people. And one of those occult objects, the Spear of Destiny, just so happened to be in Austria, Hitler's home country, at the Hofburg Palace treasury, not far from where he lived. Hitler was born in Austria, but he identified as German and nothing else. In 1933, Hitler clawed his way into becoming Chancellor of Germany. In a speech to his country, he promised a return to the glory days of German power. By the end of 1934, 45-year-old Hitler assumed full dictatorial powers. Then, in 1935, artist Kay Stauber painted a portrait of Hitler. In the background, an eagle soars through a red sky. In the foreground, Hitler stands before an army of Nazi soldiers holding what some claim to be a spear. Others consider it a flagpole attached to the Nazi banner that waves in the wind by his side. Either way, we know that Hitler didn't have the spear in 1935. It was still stored safely in the Austrian treasury. But the portrait was undeniably propaganda, perhaps meant to foreshadow the future. After taking absolute power in Germany, Hitler tried to annex Austria. If successful, he'd have control over the spear of destiny. To that end, in 1934, a group of Nazis assassinated the Austrian Chancellor, Engelbert Dollfuss. But that still wasn't enough to give Hitler control of the country. Finally, in 1938, Hitler marched his troops into the Austrian capital of Vienna and occupied the city. Dollfuss's successor, Kurt von Schuschnigg, resigned his chancellorship to avoid bloodshed. And on March 13, 1938, Austria officially became German territory. 
Hitler took the Spear of Destiny for himself and brought it back to Nuremberg. According to historian Trevor Ravenscroft, Hitler visited the Spear whenever he needed strength. And just over a year after taking Austria and the Spear, Hitler seized control of Czechoslovakia. Six months after that, in September 1939, he invaded Poland. Within a month, his army took Warsaw, its capital city. It was triumph after triumph. But after Hitler conquered Poland, Britain and France decided that they'd had enough. They declared war on Germany. And so marked the beginning of World War II. At first, it seemed like the Western powers were no match for the Nazis. In May 1940, Hitler's army tore through Belgium and the Netherlands with a brutal war strategy known as Blitzkrieg. Hitler's fanatical armies used advanced technologies, like tanks and bomber planes, to overwhelm their opponents and bring them to their knees. But in 1945, after a poorly strategized invasion of the Soviet Union and the entrance of the United States into the war, the Nazis lost momentum. The Soviets attacked from the east, the Americans from the west. As they did, they forced Hitler to hole up in a bunker in Berlin. But the bunker was almost 300 miles from Nuremberg and the alleged power of the Spear of Destiny. The holy relic was too far to save Hitler. In fact, it was about to fall into his enemy's hands. In April 1945, American General George S. Patton and his troops arrived in the city that housed the Spear. Shortly after, Hitler and his wife, Eva Brown, committed suicide in the bunker where they had spent 105 consecutive days. Eva Brown took a poison capsule. Hitler shot himself in the right temple. Then, loyalists burned their bodies. Meanwhile, the search for the Spear of Destiny was underway in Nuremberg. During the hunt, a British lord allegedly wondered aloud, where is the Holy Lance? If the Russians find it, they will be the masters of Europe. The race to find the Spear of Destiny was on. The United States tasked art historian, medieval scholar, and army officer Walter Horn with finding the relic. In addition to his expertise, German was Horn's first language, so he had the ability to interview Nazi prisoners. Horn interrogated 21 different Nazi officers, but all he learned was that the mayor of Nuremberg, Willy Liebel, had apparently put the spear in a copper container and given it to an unknown German officer. The Nazi soldier then drove it to an undisclosed location. Horn hit dead end after dead end. He didn't even get a chance to interview Willy Liebel. Less than a month after sending the spear on its way, the mayor committed suicide. Rumors circulated that the artifact had been taken to a secret bunker in Switzerland. Other whispers claimed that the soldier had dropped the spear to the bottom of a lake in Austria. But on August 3rd, 1945, Walter Horn had a breakthrough. While interrogating a Nuremberg city councilman, he discovered that nobody was ever tasked with transporting the relic. 
the weapon was still hidden inside the Nuremberg treasury. On August 7th, Horn took the councilman to the treasury and demanded to be taken to the spear. The councilman brought him 80 feet below the ground, and from behind a brick wall, he unearthed the infamous Spear of Destiny. Under General Patton's supervision, American soldiers brought the spear to Nuremberg Castle. Four months after the spear left his possession, Patton was involved in a freak car accident. His injuries sent him to the hospital. On December 21st, at 60 years old, General Patton died from complications related to his accident. On January 4, 1946, the Spear of Destiny was officially returned to Austria. The country's government then put the lance on display in the worldly treasure room of the Hofburg Palace. As of this recording, the Spear of Destiny is still on display in Vienna. You can visit it yourself. Whether or not it, or any others like it, has supernatural powers or a curse is an entirely separate conversation. One that we'll have next time, when we dive into the three conspiracy theories surrounding the alleged Spear of Destiny. Conspiracy theory number one. The Spear's occult powers led to impossible victories, but also caused some tragic deaths. Theory number two. Hitler invaded Austria for the sole purpose of claiming ownership of the magical spear. And finally, theory number three. Though there are fakes and replicas out there, Hitler, Charlemagne, Constantine, and Otto I all shared the same spear, the same one that pierced Jesus Christ. Maybe the Gospel of Matthew got it wrong. Maybe the fifth verse of the fifth chapter should read... Blessed is the spear, for its owner shall inherit the earth. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode on the Spear of Destiny. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. Until then, remember... The truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by David Burgess, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.